Hello and welcome back to another edition of Locked on Spartans. It is Friday, February 15th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. I hope you all had just the best Valentine's Day ever. Um, I hung around at home, played some video games, watched Silence of the Lambs, uh, while my wife worked uh, a shift until 3 in the morning. So, very romantic Valentine's Day. Uh, I hope yours was... (laughs) I don't know, filled with more uh, of an enjoyable activity. That's weird. I didn't mean it like that. I hope you went to dinner or movie or whatever, had a good time with your significant other. Uh, And if you were rocking it solo, I hope uh, it wasn't too down for you because it's just a silly day that is totally made up to make money. Anyway, yeah, that's my advice for this podcast. Uh, Just, you know, do Valentine's Day stuff all the time instead of just on Valentine's Day. All right. Um basketball. Let's talk about that. Uh, On today's show, uh, we're going to talk about this little two-game win streak bounce back thing. A couple stats uh, that I think have helped sort of key this turnaround uh, and uh, three-point shooting, rebounding, stuff like that. And then I want to talk about Aaron Henry and Kenny Goins as well in that vein. Uh, And then with uh, segment two, we're going to talk about bracketology. Where is Michigan State right now? I know a lot of us were kind of worried about seeding and things like that, uh, dropping to three lines or four lines. People, you know, the sky was falling in terms of seeding. So we're going to talk about that. And then segment three, I want to talk about how excited I am to watch Miles Bridges in the slam dunk competition. Uh, so that should be hopefully a fun segment. I'm going to speculate recklessly on things he could do to uh, win the slam dunk competition. That's the plan for today's show. Uh, real quick before we get going here, follow the show on Twitter at on Spartans. Follow me on Twitter at will underscore underscore hunter one l two underscores. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, all that stuff's very appreciated. As is uh, your listening. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who is tuning in. Uh, for repeated viewing who listens to the show regularly and new listeners thanks for giving it a shot i hope you enjoy it and i hope you decide to stick around all right let's talk about this little win streak here michigan state's on okay so after losing three straight michigan state bounces back um almost as well as you could ask for uh demolishing minnesota at home to end the three-game skid and then going to wisconsin playing a really good wisconsin team and an environment that is just brutal to play in, really hard to win at, um, and, and a place that can just swallow teams up. And, and getting out of there with what ended up being an eight-point win, although it was, you know, one two-possession game for the most of the, most of the second half, but still, uh, like I said in that preview show, a one-point win in Wisconsin is all you need. You don't need a, a fancy win with 15-point margin of victory or anything like that. So uh, they bounce back about as well as you can. Uh, given the three-game stretch. And there's a couple things I want to talk about statistically and then some guys that I want to talk about. So statistically, I want to start with three-point shooting as one of my cats makes a loud noise in the background there. Uh, This is something that when Langford went out, uh, we talked about it being, you know, one of those spots where he was really going to be missed. Uh, You know, McQuaid can still shoot it, uh, but, you know, you're asking guys like Kyle Arns, uh, Aaron Henry and Kenny Goins to an extent to fill in for a guy who is shooting over 40% from three. And it just, the math wasn't there um, for those guys making up for it. And Michigan State uh, was shooting, 
you know, 39% as a team before Langford went out. They were uh, in like the six games immediately following. I believe it was 34% they were shooting as a team and had dropped to about 37%. Uh, so they dropped from like ninth or 10th overall, if I'm remembering correctly, in the country uh, and best in the Big Ten down to the mid-20s, which is, you know, they're still an elite three-point shooting team. So at least a very good one. You know, Cassius is a great three-point shooter. Uh, McQuaid shooting really well this year. Did go through that little slump and has seemed to, to find his way out of it. And then you've got other guys who are competent. Uh, you know, Goins, Arns uh, can hit threes. Gabe Brown uh, can hit threes. Henry can a little bit but hasn't had a shot there for a while. But he's, you know, become less reliant on that. So uh, still a good three-point shooting team, but definitely took a step back there. Well, since Iowa, I'm just going to go through, uh, you know, Michigan State's percentages here from three in these last, you know, six games. And I know they lost a few of them, but I think this is important just to mention. They shoot uh, 42% from three against Iowa, down to 35 against Purdue. Uh, Indiana, they shoot 43% on 21 attempts. Uh, and that was a game where they really struggled from the free throw line, uh, obviously. And had they made just a normal amount of free throws, uh, should have won that game. Anyway, they shoot well in that game against Illinois. They're down to 37%, which is a little bit below their season average. They're at 38.6 right now in the season, uh, against Minnesota. It's up to 40%. And then they shot the ball well against, uh, Wisconsin shooting 41% from three. So, uh, overall right around 39%. Uh, for these last six games, uh, and the main reason for that, uh, you know, Cassius is still shooting it well. McQuaid uh, comes out of his slump, uh, and that's going to help because he is someone who probably more than anyone else, especially on the wing, needed to step up and score more uh, in the absence of Josh Langford. Uh, but we also need to, you know, give a ton of credit to Kenny Goins. Gosh, I don't even know how against Wisconsin with a banged up elbow. Uh, he he was doing that. But Kenny Goins is shooting 45% from three in his last seven games. Uh, and it's not on, you know, it wouldn't the math wouldn't make sense, but, t- you know, 10 attempts or something like that. He's shooting a good volume, and he's becoming a real threat in the pick and pop, and that's something that keys other parts of the offense because defense is Absolutely have to. You know, it's a seven-game sample, uh, and for the season, Goins is now shooting 34%, which is respectable, uh, to say the least. He has to be respected now at the top of the key, especially, um, you know, he had that really awful look from the wing that he just missed terribly, but from the top of the key, he shoots it really well in that pick-and-pop situation, Uh, and he shot 73 uh, three-pointers this year, so just under three a game. That's something that teams are going to have to start respecting more. And if you can't sag way off Kenny Goins, uh, then you you know, you know can't clog the paint. It, that's why things were working against Wisconsin for Goins in that respect because they play that pack line defense where everyone who's defending off the ball is playing you know basically with their heels in the paint. And when Goins gets free on a, on a little pit, he sets a pick at the top. Uh, you know, the defender, his defender hedges Winston, and then they don't switch because no one switches in college. And then his defender's late getting back to Goins, and he's he's going, you know, he, the route he's taking is to protect the paint first. Uh, that gives Goins room, and he's someone who now needs to be respected uh, in that 
you know, in that shot. He, I mean, this is a guy who only took 15 threes the two previous years uh, for Michigan State. Three previous years. He didn't shoot any threes as a freshman uh, or sophomore. Shot 15 last year and has put up 73 this year and is shooting 34%. So that's huge. Uh, his three-point shooting is going to change how defenses have to play Michigan State because if they're leaving him open, he's a guy who can very easily go three of five uh, on wide-open threes from the top of the key. And, you know, that's really helping for, for making up for Langford. Uh, another thing, so overall they're shooting well as a team uh, from three. Uh, the other thing that, you know, I think there's a there's a really strong correlation here between how the games went against Purdue, Indiana, Illinois in the last two, and that is uh, defensive rebounding. So Purdue, Michigan State on the season uh, is giving up offensive rebounds 27.6% of the misses, uh, which is 139th in the country. That's not very good. They're they're in conference play, one of the worst teams in the Big Ten, uh, but have done really well the last two games. So against Purdue, uh, it was terrible. Purdue rebounded 40% of their misses. Indiana, who was a bad offensive rebounding team coming into the game, rebounded 43.5% of their misses. And then same story with Illinois. Uh, they rebounded 35% of their misses. And those are just huge numbers that are, you know, that's that's some of the worst rebounding in the country you will see uh, produce those numbers. Then against Minnesota, Minnesota's at 27%, so uh, below Michigan State's season average, which was over 28% at the time, so they bring it down there. Uh, and then against Wisconsin, who's not a great offensive rebounding team because of their focus on lacking limiting transition, uh, 17%. So uh, just a solid defensive rebounding game there. Uh, you know, offensive rebounds are going to happen. And, and really, Minnesota is the 35th, 35th best team in the country at getting offensive rebounds. So to hold them uh, below their season average and at a better rate than Michigan State had been doing over the entire season was a really good job rebounding. Uh, Nick Ward, I think we've all seen just the, the sheer effort uh, from him has been outstanding, especially rebounding the ball. Kenny Goins has had some good rebounding games. You know, Aaron Henry grabbed three defensive rebounds uh, against Minnesota. Uh, let's see here. I'm just going through, uh, you know, Kithier, uh, Kyle Arns got a couple. Matt McQuaid got three. So the wings helping out uh, is really important. And, you know, that that's going <laughs> to... It's not a coincidence that three of Michigan State's worst rebounding games in conference were their three losses. Uh, and then they immediately correct that, do a really good job in their next two, uh, and they win. You know, Michigan State is one of the best defenses of the country in shooting against. Uh, the field, effective field goal percentage against them is fifth in the country. And we know they don't get turnovers and they don't steals. And if you're making teams miss shots and you don't turn them over, the only way to change the possession is to grab that rebound on the missed shot. And so Michigan State forces a lot of misses, uh, and if they want to get full stops, they need to grab those rebounds. That's how Michigan State stops teams, and when they're giving up offensive rebounds, they're not getting stops, uh, plain and simple. So hopefully that you know renewed effort to rebounding continues uh, into the next couple of games uh, and you know on into the postseason. So I'm running short on time here, so I'm going to go quick on Aaron Henry. Uh, Braden Quinn, Brendan Quinn, oh, so Braden. Brendan Quinn at the Athletic had a really nice write-up uh, on Aaron Henry and his mindset, and just how the you know the ups and downs he's going through and the mental stuff he's going through, and just 
the the change from being the dude who scored all the points in high school and now being a role player who only gets to take a few shots uh, and just being ready mentally to take those shots and always wanting to look for those shots. Uh, and he's some he's struggled with, and you can see him struggling with it, passing up open looks and forcing things and getting himself trapped uh, in the paint and things like that. But I thought he looked a lot better against Wisconsin in that regard, was assertive with the ball in the lane, made uh, you know a bunch of nice plays, and then hit a huge shot which was essentially the the nail in the coffin for Wisconsin. So uh, if you get a chance, go read that story, uh, Brendan Quinn and the Athletic. Uh, uh, I, I know I don't work for them or I'm not. Like, no, this is just an endorsement for my own sake. Uh, subscribe to that if you want really great Michigan State content that is unique and original uh, and really insightful. Great read there. Uh, and it's nice to see Aaron Henry start to – Get over that freshman wall, although he said he's hit like three freshman walls, uh, which makes more sense than a single freshman wall. But seeing him start to come out of it, going four for four from two, grabbing five rebounds, having a couple assists, and making plays on the defensive end, like that's that's that guy. Getting to the lane, making plays, slashing to the basket, things like that, grabbing rebounds and defending like hell. Uh, that's great to see. And if that continues, Michigan State is a totally different team with him playing at that level. All right, let's break right there. When we get back, we will talk about some bracketology stuff, let you know where Michigan State is uh, in all of that. Real quick, I got an important favor to ask you. It's a survey. It's an audience survey. We're trying to get a better read on who's listening to the show, uh, which helps us with advertisers and, and all that stuff. So uh, it's a big favor to ask. I know this stuff is annoying. Won't take too long to take. Uh, t- won't take too long to take the survey, and by participating, you enter. Uh, yourself for a chance to win a $250 Vivid Seats gift card. So that would be cool to win. All you got to do is enter, no strings attached. Just visit lockedonpodcast.com slash survey. That's locked, excuse me, lockedonpodcast.com slash survey. Uh, I really appreciate anyone who takes the time to do that. Uh, So thanks in advance. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay. Welcome back to segment two of today's Locked On Spartans. Let's talk some brackets, huh? Yeah, we're guys, it's mid-February. We're getting to the point where, like, in the lead-up to the NFL draft, all these mock drafts come out, right? And you're like, oh, my God, these are annoying. Like, the, the seventh one is so much different from the first one. Like, why am I even reading these? Nobody knows anything. Even the experts get five picks right in the entire first round. It's pointless. Well... There, there comes a point in those mock drafts where it can be very helpful to pay attention because guys are getting insights. Like if you keep seeing a quarterback to a certain team, like, hey, I think they're going to take a quarterback. Well, it's similar with bracketology. Um, you know, the early ones don't tell you a ton. It's it's too early in the conference season and things like that. But at this point, this late into conference season, you can really start to get the feel of where teams are stacking up. We've got these committee rankings that came out, the top 16 ranked teams. 
Uh, so you get a true measure of what the committee feels is important, who they're high on, maybe who's uh, undervalued, overvalued, things like that. And after those three losses, I know a lot of people were saying, you know, one seat off the table, uh, they're going to fall to a three or four. And, you know, there's some, rightfully so some panic with, with that, like, oh, it doesn't even matter. They're going to be a four seed and lose to a 13 in the first round. And it's this team just whatever. Well, you know, you wait a week, the ship writes, uh, and then, you know, you get a better picture. And, and right now, really, I, I need to emphasize this a ton. The top eight teams in this, uh, the committee's list, uh, are kind of head and shoulders right now above the rest. Like, there's a definitive top eight teams uh, that you'll see kind of as a consensus top eight. And then there's a pretty sizable gap between the next row of teams, the the Kansases and, and Nevadas and, and things like that. Uh, there's a lot of losses in those teams and a lot of uh, weak points and a lot of bad losses, things that the committees, <clears throat> you know, look for. Uh, the, we talk about the quadrant system, things like that. Michigan State is the most quadrant one wins in the country. And if they only lost one of those two games against Indiana or Illinois, they're probably still on the one line. Uh, so right now, solidly, <clears throat> they are very comfortably on the two line. Uh, regardless of what service you, you look at. Uh, they're anywhere from, I think, Lenardi has them fifth overall at ESPN. Uh, like fifth to seventh is kind of their spot. And so they're very comfortably on, on the on the two line. And if they are able to run the table here in the rest of the regular season, like they are perfectly in line for a one seed. Uh, there's not, you know, especially like a road win against Michigan, who's also solidly on the two line. Uh, I think some people may, oh no, they just lost to Penn State, so they probably dropped off of everyone's one lines. Regardless, uh, Michigan State, I would be hard-pressed to see them falling below a two-seed for this tournament. If everything plays out like we kind of expect, they split with Michigan, uh, go through the rest and, and win you know, two games in the Big Ten tournament, they are staying on the two-line. If they win the Big Ten tournament, they're going to the one-line. If they win out in the regular season, and win the Big Ten outright at 17-3, and three, they're going to be on the one line. Um, you know, that's, what do we got, seven more games here, six more games here, 31-6 and six, uh, going into the Big Ten tournament. This Big Ten, like, they're going to be a one seed. You got Duke, Virginia, and then after that, uh, as long as Tennessee doesn't uh, trip themselves up a ton, they're going to be on it. Uh, Gonzaga, Michigan, Kentucky, North Carolina, kind of right there. But I really think just based on schedules and things like that and who Gonzaga lost to, right? I mean, Gonzaga beat Duke. That's outstanding on a neutral court. But they lose uh, to Tennessee and North Carolina and every single other team they've played this year uh, outside of Washington, I guess, has been pretty bad. And, the, and they barely squeaked by Washington. And that factors in the net rating. So strength of schedule and things like that, it, that stuff really favors Michigan State. So if, if they're a five-loss Big Ten champion, uh, it's going to be really hard to keep them off the one line. So things are still sort of all on the table right now is kind of the point of this segment. You know, uh, like I said, let's see, SB Nation, the NCAA, Fox Sports, uh, our buddy Joe at 131, uh, ESPN, uh, CBS, uh, everyone has Michigan State 
on the two line. If you want to actually read a good roundup of this, our buddy Matt Hapner from The Only Colors has a Spartan Bracketology up that he does. Uh, I think he does it weekly. Uh, but just two seeds across the board as high as number five overall for Michigan State. Uh, one seed is totally on the board for them. Uh, this team is really well respected. Like I said, they have the most quadrant one wins in the entire country. That's you know the benefit of playing that crazy non-conference schedule is you get like a road win at Florida, um, you know a road win. Uh, who else? Are they? Oh, the neutral courts against UCLA and Texas. Although UCLA slipped, you you know neutral court against Texas. Uh, you're able to get quality wins and then playing in the Big Ten like almost every single game that Michigan State plays in the Big Ten, with the exception of a few home games, is a quadrant one game, um, and that pays dividends when when the committee goes to look at it they really like that quadrant system they're going to look at michigan state and see all these quadrant one wins big 10 regular season title winning the best conference in the country uh by consensus the deepest conference in the country with only three or four conference losses that's going to be impossible to keep off the one line so everything is still right in front of this team uh you know, it's it's nice to regroup after you know, a tough three-game losing streak, get two nice wins, and re- everyone sort of resettles ourselves and like, all right, let's look down the line here. What do we got left? And everything's still in front of them in terms of seating. So uh, everyone's got them on the two line, like I said, and plenty of chances remain on the schedule to move back into the one seed. And even if, you know, say they split and end up with Michigan and end up sharing the Big Ten regular season title with Purdue or something like that, in the Big Ten tournament, they're going to have to beat, if they win it, you know, a Purdue, a Michigan, uh, a Wisconsin, a Maryland, uh, two of those at least. And that's going to be uh, another chance to add really impressive wins to their resume. So all good stuff in that regard. They bounce back really well from you know, a spot where they could have started dropping, but you know they regrouped, get those wins, and they stay right on that two line very comfortably. So... Okay, let's break right there for segment two when we get back. Segment three, the one you've been waiting for. Uh, We're talking slam dunk competition with Miles Bridges. What can he pull out of his bag of tricks to win this thing and represent for Michigan State? Real quick before we get get to that, uh, I've been telling you guys all week about this cool way to play the podcast. You can actually play it in your car. If you have a car that you know you give voice commands to and things like that, has the ability to sync up with whatever services or, or stuff like that, you can actually tell it to play this podcast. Just like the speakers at home, your car will understand what you're trying to say and will play the podcast. All you got to do is tell it to play podcast Locked On Spartans. Okay, segment three. Welcome back to Locked On Spartans. Let's talk about some slam dunk contest stuff. I don't know why I'm sing-songing. Uh, I'm filibustering right now because I had a tab open uh, on my uh, little browser thing that had the slam dunk contest information up, and then I closed it, and now I'm trying to reopen it uh, so that I can tell you the slam dunk contest will be this Saturday night in Charlotte. Uh, I don't know, probably like 10 o'clock, I think. I don't know, because they do the... It starts at 8, skills challenge thing that nobody watches, and the three-point contest, and the slam dunk's the last thing, so it'll be later in the night. Uh, but anyway, Miles Bridges, repping the uh, his hometown now, 
who I guess is hometown professional team, the Charlotte Hornets, doing the slam dunk contest in Charlotte. He is, uh, I think when the odds were posted, he was number two in, in the odds behind uh, Collins from Atlanta. And now he's moved up. Still, I think, in two last I checked, but it's, it's like basically even odds between him and Collins for number one and two. So uh, some sharp money, uh, I would say, came in on Miles Bridges real quick to snap up those good odds. And he just like they have these little hype videos for each guy uh, that show their best dunks in the season. And Miles is, is the best of the season. Like he has put some hammers down on people. Uh, I, aside from like maybe Russ and really Russ Westbrook slowing down a little bit. Uh, and we'll see with Dennis Smith Jr. He's in the competition too, but I don't know if anyone in the NBA dunks harder than Miles Bridges, and that matters in a slam dunk contest. And we know he's just the craziest, most explosive athlete, one of the best athletes in the NBA. Uh, and he's got a little bit of height, right? Six seven, he can get up there. It's a, it's an advantage over a guy who's a little shorter and has to jump higher to be able to do more tricks and things like that. So I think Miles has a real good shot, and if. Uh, I'm assuming he's a, a regular listener to the show and is going to be taking notes on my suggestions on how we can win the dunk contest. And it's it's uh, Thursday night, Friday morning as I'm recording this. And so Miles is probably finalizing his routine, what he's going to do. And so uh, Miles, I, I'm talking to you now, bud. I got some suggestions for you, some last minute changes, I think, uh, that will really help you get over the top. So uh, the first one, I want to talk about dunking over people. And, you know, it's something that happens a lot. Uh, mascots come out. Aaron Gordon jumps over a mascot and goes around his back or whatever and dunks. Really impressive. Uh, you can get some great dunks by jumping over people. My first thought is he should jump over Tom Izzo. I, I assume Izzo's going to leave the the Ohio State game, fly directly to Charlotte to watch Miles in the slam dunk contest. I doubt he's actually going to do that, but I'm I'm playing by that you know that line of thinking. Izzo's going to be in the house, so Miles, um, you know, he should jump over Izzo. But then I thought that's not very impressive. Um, so what I think they should do, what Miles should do, uh, is get and I'm assuming Lupe is going to be there too. We'll, we'll run Lupe out there, and then Tom can sit on her shoulders or, or vice versa, and then he can dunk over the Izzos. Right, because dunk, dunking over Tom's not enough. He's not tall enough to really uh, for it to be too impressive. But I think if you stack up Tom and then Lupe on his shoulders, uh, that could be an impressive feat. So that's my first option there. My second option is we get Zeke out there, uh, Zeke the Wonder Dog, uh, and we train Zeke, or we don't even really need to train Zeke. I'm sure Zeke is trained to do this, uh, but we get alley oops from Zeke two miles. Um, we know Zeke's skills, seen it on the football field, the basketball court. Uh, we've all seen Air Bud. We know what is possible. The potential here uh, for excitement is outstanding. Uh, I'm just imagining uh, a dog bouncing, Zeke bouncing the ball off his nose right to Miles, who does a huge windmill or through the legs or something like that. Uh, that's going to be, not only will it get perfect tens across the board from all the judges and it'll bring the house down, but the internet's going to love that. That would live on forever as one of the greatest things we've ever seen like the internet collapsed on itself because a bulldog ran the agility competition at the Westminster dog show imagine if a dog went out onto the court during the NBA slam dunk contest and threw an alley-oop for the contest winning dunk to Miles Bridges that would be 
Probably the greatest dunk in, in slam dunk contest history. I don't care about Vince hanging in the rim. I don't care about MJ taking off from the free throw line. Uh, I don't care about Zach Levine getting an alley-oop from the free throw line. No one will remember any of those dunks if Miles gets an alley-oop from a dog uh, to win the slam dunk contest. Uh, and so those are those are two good options, I think. But I uh, the best option, it's got to be the best option. I'm struggling to come up with something that would be better than this. Uh, I think Miles should pay for Dan Dockich to fly first class to Charlotte, attend as his personal guest to the All-Star game. Uh, and then I think he should bring Dan out onto the court uh, right before he's about ready to dunk. Uh, have him under the basket, maybe, you know, holding up the ball for an alley-oop. And then on his way up, Miles should grab Dan by the shoulder, jump, and then physically dunk Dan Dockich through the rim and into the ground. I don't, I checked the rules. I don't, I didn't see anywhere in the slam dunk contest rules where it said you had to dunk a basketball. It's not a basketball dunking competition. Um, so in theory, you could dunk like an Oreo, right? And milk, that would be pretty funny. Um, I'm pretty sure if you dunked a human being through a basketball hoop, that that would count. And it'd be really tough for the judges to ignore the explosiveness and the strength needed. Um, although I guess Dan's full of a lot of hot air. Uh, so it might not be so hard to get him up there. Um, but if Miles did that, if Miles brought Dan Dockage out onto the court and slam dunked him physically, I don't know, if he maybe could windmill him uh, or a little, you know, just like a, a reverse dunk where he cocks, a, cocks Dan Dockage down, like below his legs, the double pump, pump down, pump up type thing, um, or pump up, pump down, whatever it is, and then reverse dunks. I think that would be a shoe-in for a perfect score. And that's something that, I know we would all love. Miles himself would certainly love it. Uh, and then I'm sure Dan would love it as well, too, because uh, he gets some attention on him, you know, the stuff that he really loves. Uh, that was a cheap shot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Uh, but those are my suggestions. Uh, a tandem dunk over Tom and Lupe Izzo. Uh, catching an alley-oop from Zeke 4 uh, and throwing down like a windmill alley-oop from a dog would be uh, just historic. And then physically dunking Dan Dockage through a hoop. Uh, would would be uh, just an all-around win for all parties involved. And I think, Miles, if you're listening and you could accomplish any one of those, uh, you'll win the slam dunk contest. Uh, if you can somehow get all three of them in, you're a shoe-in for the greatest slam dunker in the history of slam dunk contests. People won't even, like that video of Vince Carter's uh, whole round, whole routine at the, uh, what was it, 2001 contest. Like that's gone forever. No one's gonna care about Shaq with his mouth open and a one of those old handy cams, uh, looking crazy in everyone's terrible clothes uh, in 2001. No one's gonna care about that anymore. It's gonna be all about the time Miles Bridges got an alley oop from a dog and then dunked a human being through a basketball hoop. Uh, so those are my suggestions to Miles. Uh, if you, I know you're listening, bud. Uh, do that and you'll you'll be guaranteed to win. If you don't do that, I'm gonna be a little bit disappointed, but I think you'll put on a show. Either way, and I and the rest of Spartan Nation are looking forward to you doing that. Actually, you know what? I, I thought of something probably a little bit more practical than physically dunking Dan Dockage through the hoop. Miles um, could probably just run him out there, have him stand in the paint, and then just hammer dunk over him. Have Dan take the take the blocking foul, uh, get an and one, and just send him flying into the stanchion. That'd be a little bit more practical, I think, and it, you know, it would still work out where everyone would be impressed and it would be a win for all sides. So maybe do that.
It's admittedly less fun than seeing Miles physically dunk a human being through the hoop. That would be pretty sweet to watch. All right, that is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening to Locked on Spartans. Um, We'll be back tomorrow, another episode, special Saturday edition, previewing Michigan State, Ohio State. We'll have a full preview of that. It's been a little bit since these two teams matched up. Uh, Ohio State had a nice little downturn, and it seemed to, I don't know, sort of be rebounding a little bit. Uh, weird little stretch for them. It's it's a weird thing. When teams play Michigan State, they lose, and then they go on these terrible losing streaks. And Ohio State uh, lost five in a row, uh, or four in a row after losing to Michigan State. So five in a row total, six of seven, and then has won three of the last four. So they righted the ship a little bit. Some things have changed since then, but it's still a good team. So we'll have a lot to talk about that. Uh, for tomorrow's show. So yeah, that's the end of the show. Follow me on Twitter at will underscore underscore hunter one L two underscores email the show locked on Spartans at gmail.com rate review subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate all the, the five star ratings. That's super nice of you guys and the nice reviews. Uh, thank you for saying nice things about the show. I, I'm glad that people are enjoying it and our listenership is growing and it's all really cool. And I'm very grateful to you all. So Thanks for checking it out. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back tomorrow with a full preview of Michigan State, Ohio State. Until then, go green.